my talk show I realized someone came up and break said you have a talk show I have a talk show called America can we talk yes I do America can we talk and in the in the booklet you have in the program for today's um, meeting in today's summit you can find out how to find the talk show but we invited Dr. Um, Douglas Frank to come and be in one of our Thursday shows where it's a lot uh, we flew him into town to come and talk about this and we had the great pleasure just to spend you know half a day with him um, he's a uh, just as a quick aside, he is a devoted family man, he's a faithful Christian, he's a mathematical genius. And I urge you to follow closely what he's going to be saying about the use of algorithms, which I hope he defines the word algorithm for those of you who may not know, algorithm to prove vote fraud, because once you understand what he's saying, you'll never look at our 2020 elections again. Dr. Douglas Frank. Thank you. You guys are sweet. Thank you very much. Get this hooked up. I, um, have, I have quite a life right now. As it turns out, uh, I was in Austin yesterday. No, Thursday night. And then after that, at 9.30 at night, Mr. Lindell flew his private jet to pick me up to take me to meet with the Secretary of State. which is what I've been doing for some time. And then after we did that, I got on a plane back to Dallas. Zoom, 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 zoom. Back and forth, I didn't tell you where I went on purpose. I'm, Leah, I'm plugged in now. Let's see if you, is, is it live? Not yet, okay. Hey, I'm hot, I'm hot, okay. There we go. Yes. By the way, this is a conference, Women for Freedom, yeah? So I made it. I haven't heard much talk about that. Um, but I'll, let me make an empirical observation. There are a lot of women in this room. I like women. But all the techies are men. Have you noticed that? Oh, that's not, that's not good. This is the way I think about... This is the way I think about women. This is from Milton. This is Milton writing while he's witnessing the creation of Eve. Under his forming hand, the creature grew. Manlike, but different sex. So lovely fair, that what seemed fair in all the world seemed now mean. <laughs> That's what I think of women. <laughs> So um, I had a really strong mother, and she was, you know, a, she's over here. She's at this right here. She's at one of the prize eggs. And she uh, was a physicist, and her first, this is the first picture of her, of me, up here. And that's me right there. Because her first year in college as a physicist, she got pregnant with me. And so she had to quit because in those days you couldn't be a physicist and a mother at the same time. So you women have come a long way. Anyway, I think that's why I'm a physicist today. And our super moms are gonna save our country. I've been saying this since October. So now that you like me and forgive me for making the techie comment at the beginning, I'll just get started here. 
uh, I enjoyed meeting Debbie and your husband in that lovely tavern in the back. Is that what you call it, the tavern? Uh, behind, it's a great place where they have political meetings and whatnot. Delighted to meet them, and the program is great. I love this sort of thing as well because I don't think this is about evidence anymore. I'm just say that right off the bat. There's already plenty of evidence of election fraud. There's already massive, um, overwhelming evidence. It's now about the movement, and that's why this is what's so important. It's so important that you know what's happening and be able to communicate to all of your friends what's going on because you have to be the ones doing it because it's not going to be CNN. It's not going to be Fox. Okay. So uh, I was supposed to be on Tucker the night before. They called me and they canceled it. And that's when Mr. Lindell pulled all of his advertising from, from Fox. <laughs> you know, he, he's a real patriot. And uh, you know, if you've already bought all of his pillows and sheets, and <laughs> I already have, I already bought all that stuff. There's, you can support him by uh, donating to the Lindell uh, Legal Offense Fund. Thank you for that, she. Be, go on offense, not defense. Exactly. All right. All right. Yes. So this is how people discovered who I was. How many of you already know who I am? Okay. Most. Okay. So I won't spend too much time on me. Most. Uh, but Mr. Lindell made this movie about me called Scientific Proof, and that's how people got. To, I went from no. Well, people knew me from COVID, uh, but then after. This, about 10 million people have heard me. So he has all these movies on election stuff, and those are required reading for you or required watching. Uh, it'll take you a couple hours, but if you watch these, you'll know kind of what's going on in the background. You can see them on lindelltv.com, frankspeech.com. Those are great places. No, Frank Speech is not named after me. Mr. Lindell figured that out before me. So like I said, buy his pillows and help take back America. Okay. Uh, and President Trump is a patriot, and I'm a, he's, I'm a great fan, and he invited me to be his keynote speaker at the president in the Wellington rally when he first came out, a search rally in Ohio. And I was standing there in front of 21,000 people. How many of you have been to a Trump rally? Those are rowdy. <laughs> rowdy, they are rowdy. So those are all the rowdy people that just raised their hand. So it's a Saturday afternoon. It's about 5 o'clock. It's been pretty hot all day. 21,000 people sitting out there. They have beers all day. It's rowdy group. I walk up to the podium, and I'm thinking, I'm going to teach 21,000 people math. <laughs> no way. But as soon as I started talking, there was these two big jumbotrons lit up, and suddenly it just was just quiet. It was so cool. You could hear all the oohs and ahs and everything. So the next day, somebody put this, somebody put this meme up. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. I, and, and somebody else put this one up. Perhaps the country has become my classroom, Dr. Frank. So I've been going around the country since April, basically teaching everybody math. And I always take Nellie with me, except on my longer trips. Um, and this is a longer trip. I'm gone for nine days this time. Uh, and then I usually get a few days at home. And I always talk, bring Nellie along because she has Down syndrome. She's 23, and she's like one of the heroes in my life. And I like everybody to see how cool she is. And so if you... <laughs> Thanks. So, and I, it's working because I get phone calls now. 
Uh, you know, they'll say, uh, we just learned we were going to have a child with Down syndrome. Can you talk us through it? Or, gee, my, ne my uh, grandchildren, my granddaughter is about to have a Down syndrome child, and we, it's a surprise. Can you talk to them? You know, it's working. It helps, it helps to talk to somebody who's been through it. But I got to tell you, I tell my two boys that, um, I tell my two boys that they should thank God every day she came first because I'm a way better parent because of that. <laughs> I've been married about 40 years, and so I got three kids. Daniel, he's going to be a minister. He's my 21-year-old, and he's going to get married in January. And then my son Derek, he's 19, and he doesn't believe there are any conservative girls left in the world. <laughs> I see some good ones out there. So if you gals, you're interested in a nice, young, conservative man, 19 years old. He's worked hard, handsome, 6'4". Six, six, yeah. You just let me know. Okay. Anyway, back to business. All right. So I'm really a scientist. I've been a scientist for about 40 years, aggressively doing science. Back in um, 1990, I made a major scientific discovery. So this is my second time being famous because I was famous then. I was traveling the world talking about the scientific discovery I made. It's cover of Science Magazine, Nature, all of those. It was great. And I left academics because I couldn't stand the Marxism in education. I left in 96 and started my own business, started making precision uh, devices, mostly electron microscopes and optical microscopes for various people around the world, mostly classified, so I can't talk about it. And then, uh, but I also helped start this school for gifted children uh, in Cincinnati, and uh, th they're really bright kids. The median IQ is 145. Uh, I've had classes where I had five kids, four of them with IQs in the 180s, so you can imagine what kind of a place it is for me. I love it. It's like recess. But. <laughs> But the reason I mention it is because if I weren't teaching there, I don't think I'd be standing here today. Because one of the things I do with them is I always take real life examples to teach them what is going on, uh, in, in, how to apply their math. So guess what? I've been modeling epidemics for 40 years. I've also been modeling elections for 40 years. Can you imagine 2020 for me? <laughs> So, you know, here's a graph, for example, from 2016 that I did with my class. And I said, hey, guys, notice here. Let me turn my little pointer on because it'll work better than my handheld one. Let's see. I said, we made these graphs in 2016. This is November 19th of 2016. And he said, the next election, these are going to be the important states. Florida, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, New Hampshire. <laughs> Guess what? In other words, once you know math, you can make predictions. And it's not just... Hypothetical, you're not just hand-waving, you can actually use math to make predictions. And here's, this is what, I, this is what uh, drew a lot of attention to my pages last year. Here I'm modeling COVID, and here you are, Texas. You can see that your big, your big wave wasn't in the April wave, it came later. And that was really the southern wave, kind of um, from Mexico, um, get, coming back up as well. So uh, anyway, that shows you where you're at, what it was like, and I was putting these graphs up. Why? Because in one glimpse, you can see what the whole country was like. We shut the whole country down? Look at all that. Okay, it doesn't make sense, does it? So anyway, follow the data. That's my motto. All right, I'm just going to jump ahead a little here because I'm going to run out of time, and these people are important too. All right. Oh, yeah, let me start here. So at the beginning, you remember that Giuliani and Sidney Powell and all the attorneys came out after the election basically saying, hey, look at all this evidence we have. Yes, massive amount of evidence. It didn't work out very well, did it? That movement kind of fizzled out. I wasn't part of that. I didn't really enjoin the uh, battle until December. 
Then, then it was a legislative battle, and I was working with legislators, predominantly Pennsylvania, to try to help overturn some of the elections there, and that didn't work out very well. Nowadays, this is what we're doing. We're going into each state clandestinely, and I meet privately with legislators and secretaries of states and attorney generals, and we show them not only the data for their state, but we show them the passwords to all their election machines. Okay. And then we show them all their phantom voters, and we show them how I can predict every county in their state before I even know who's registered. Okay. We show them all this, and then they say, okay, we're on your side. Okay. That is what, you, so what you're going to be seeing in the next months is you're going to see those popping out. Okay. And that's why, that's exactly The difference between asking your government for an audit and actually doing a war at the ground grassroots level is there's a difference. And the thing that's going to work is us owning the process, not just giving it to the government saying, we want an audit, go do an audit. That's like saying, oh, Mr. Trump, we just elected you president, now go fix the country. That was never the way our country was designed. We were always designed to be the government, us, okay? So we need to be the government. We need to run our own audit. Anyway, I'm rambling, but I'm having fun. Okay, so this is Janelle Branch, and she's a, a state legislator from the state of Wisconsin. And I visited her recently, and she has this amazing mural in the, you know, the big dome of the government building. And this is a, like a 25-foot mosaic on the ceiling. It's Lady Liberty. And you notice she's pointing towards heaven. Why? Because that's the source of our liberty. Heaven is the source of our liberty. And with her other hand, Lady Liberty is holding the ballot box because that's how we protect our liberty. Okay? So we have lost our liberty in this country. I'm telling you now, it's not a up for debate. It's not a hypothesis. Our elections are not real anymore. They are completely stolen. We have to take them back because we no longer have our country, okay? Uh, you know, all these other issues, like I love the, the, um, the, the education activism, and I love the vaccine activism. I love all that stuff. We have to do that. But guess what? If we lose our elections, we're going to be out of control. We have to take it back, and we have to take it back. Exactly. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I have a choice here. How many of you have seen me talk about... Uh, how the elections, how, about my algorithm. Raise your hand if you've seen the algorithm. Oh, not very many. Okay. And how many of you watched the cyber symposium? Uh, yeah, okay. So I guess I got to do, do some basics here. So let me, let, me, um, let me cut jump ahead a little bit. I'm going to teach you a little bit of math. Okay, here we go. Introduction to the key. So basically, this is how our elections are being stolen, so you know. In a nutshell, before the election, you decide how you want the, the result to come out. You wouldn't want it to come out 90% Biden and 10% Trump. No one would believe it. So if you're going to steal it, you got to make it close. You have to decide what you want it to be. Let's just say we say we want it to be 53-47. Okay? Now, you do some polling and you find out, oh, gee, we're losing by 10 points. How do you fix that? You inflate the registration database and you stuff phony ballots into yep. the system. And you, can, and you can figure that out ahead of time. You can print all the ballots ahead of time, too. And you just stuff them as you go. 
So, the, so really the idea is you, you decide at each state level how you want it to come out, and that's regulated at the county level. And the first step is to inflate the registration databases, and the reason you do that is because it gives you a credit line of phantom voters. And the, and the phantom voters are basically people who aren't real who vote. The simplest one to explain would be like a dead person. And you'd be surprised how many dead people vote. And, and then... And I talk to county clerks all the time, and they say, oh, no, Dr. Frank, we have signature verification. And I say, well, you know, here's a 1,000 people that voted in your election. They must have really good longhand. <laughs> These dead people, you know, they really write well. And the point is, there are a lot of dead people that vote. But more, there are more of other kinds of people who aren't real who vote. For example, people who move away, but they keep voting, they aren't really voting. Somebody's voting for them, okay? Or a lot, there are a lot of people who just don't vote at all, but somebody's voting for them. There's lots of ways to get phantom voters, and we found 20 or so different kinds, and we find them in every state. There's no exception. Every state, every county so far. Well, we have direct evidence of 3,009 counties, and that's 96% of our counties. We have indirect evidence in the balance. So in other words, every state in our country is being manipulated. All right, so that's, and then before the elections, they also programmed the machines. Um, the, and here's an article from 2018, Scientific American saying, yeah, our elections are hackable. Yeah, you think so? Okay. And then during the election, um, the machines are tracked and hacked. So in other words, you've made your prediction, you've stuffed your ballots, and you're watching how things come out. The problem is if your prediction's wrong, you have to make adjustments along the way. Well, in just about every state, they underestimated how popular Trump was. In Ohio, the Amish people turned out to vote. They never vote. We're talking like 40,000 people that don't usually vote turned out to vote for Trump. I mean, it's amazing. But think about the disgusting thing that we did. They all filled out their paper ballots, and we took that pile of paper ballots, and we ran them through a machine. We should have had them count them first. Okay, and that's the way you should do your election too. On paper, and you should count it first. Don't give them to the, their crazy machines, okay, because all their machines are hacked. Don't, if they tell you, oh, our machines aren't connected to the internet, they're either wrong or they're lying to you, okay? Because I know, because we have the passwords, and we have the recordings of the election during November 2nd to November 6th. So the whole point is that the whole time there are computer algorithms running. Well, Debbie, how much time do I have till I should hand over? 12 minutes, okay. Uh, I'm used to having two hours, which is good. But these, you know, these are great people too. Seth is cool. So anyway. I'm cool too. And, <laughs> what are you, chopped liver? I'm a woman. I'm not mean either. Sorry, oh, Kelly. No. <laughs> Kelly's good too, obviously. But uh, I, I'll hand over. All right, so um, think of algorithms as recipes. Ha <laughs> I've been doing that for months, and here I'm at a women's conference. All right, think of, I, I, I just love being chauvinistic, okay. So think of algorithms as, as recipes. They got, I'm the cook in my family. They have numbers and equations, and, and computers are dumb. They don't do anything that you don't tell them to do. So everything is a series of steps. So here's how you can recognize whether an algorithm is taking place. Say I have a die, 20-sided die, and I roll it 83 times. 83 times, and I write down the numbers. You notice I've got these numbers, I'm writing them down over here. 83 times, and I get a set of numbers. And we're, let's say we're here in Dallas. And then let's say we go to tomorrow to Austin, and we start rolling the same die 83 times, and we get the exact same numbers in the same order. Is that a real dice? No. 
No. And then what if we go to Fort Worth and we get the same numbers? No? Okay. What if I go to every county? What are you, 254 in Texas? I'm a numbers guy. So what if I went to every county in Texas and I rolled the dice 83 times and I got the same 83 numbers every time? You know that's not real. Then I go over to Arkansas and it's a new set of every 83 numbers, but it's the same in every county. And then I go to Florida and it's a new set of 83 numbers, but the same in every county. That's what's happening in our elections. That's how I can just do one county in any state and predict all the rest. Does that make sense? And what do I mean by 83? I predict how many people of each age is voting. How many 18-year-olds, how many 19-year-olds, how many 20-year-olds, all the way up to 100. So 18 to 100 is 83 ages. And I can predict that in every state in the country. And I don't even need to know who's registered. How could I do that? Because I'm a physicist. I take large amounts of data, I fit models to it, and then I test my models in the real world. And all I have to do is go look up the United States Census and I can predict every county in the country, who, how many people of each age vote. That's because it's controlled by an algorithm. It's not a real election. That's what I figured out. So here's the census. This is the 20, um, by the way, notice the date on this is 20, 20, September of 2020. I just happened to be teaching my students the, 2020, the 2010 census in September before the election because the 2020 census was coming out and I always try to pick some real life topic that's real that's happening right then so they can learn. Notice what the, the census board does though. These are all data. These are eight years worth of data. They, they have detail from 2010 and then each year all they do is shift that curve one over every year except they also have to attenuate for for people who are passing away. They don't, 90 year olds don't just become 100 year olds. They're, so that's how the census works. Well, that's exactly how the election works. How, if you're gonna inflate the registration database, can you just add a million 60 year olds? No, it would stick out. How many can you add? You take the 2010 census, you shift to 10 years, and you normalize the shape down to the size of that county, and then you just fill up to that line. And I, and I could show you that county after county. It's, I kind of made a game out of it predicting the census starting from people's ballots in every county. And I can show that to you, but I don't have time. So we'll do that another time. You can watch this on frankspeech.com. I've got um, a lot of places. The correlation coefficient is a number you need to know though. The correlation coefficient R is, your, is it's a way for me to say, wow, this really fits this. Well, here's a number. If R is one, that means it's a perfect fit. If R is zero, that means one set of numbers is random compared to the other. If R is negative one, that means when one goes up, the other one goes down. So all you really need to remember is one means it's a perfect fit. And anything close to that? So for example, just give you one example. Here's Pennsylvania District 4 where I was started my work. Here's the 2010 census. I'll shift it 10 years to the right because it's 2020 now. I attenuate a little bit for mortality. And here's who's registered in Pennsylvania District 4. See what they're doing? And notice the correlation coefficient, 0.996. It's not natural. Okay, so you, you get the idea. That's what they're doing, county by county around the country. They're filling it up. Now I'm giving, here's a pretend county. It's a pretend county that looks just like the census. Basically 15 people of every age and then they pass away. And if you take out the young kids, you're down to exactly a thousand people. And my super moms always say, yes, Dr. Frank, keep the math easy. So you got a thousand people. That's easy. A certain percentage of them are going to vote or be registered, and a certain percentage of them are going to vote. Yeah? 
Notice if you know the blue curve and you know the percentage, you can get to the black curve. If you know the black curve and you know the percentage, you can get to the red curve. Get it? That's what I'm doing. Except it's not just one percentage. And let me give you an illustration of that. Here's Hamilton County. That's where Cincinnati is in Ohio. These are real data. You got the millennials and the baby boomers. So it's real data. You got age across the bottom, zero to 110 years old, and how many thousands of people of each age. Here's who's registered to vote in Hamilton County. Nobody believes that. If you go, it's 98% of the people or something like that. If you go knock on doors and just say, are you registered to vote? Are you just registered to vote? Nope. They're not, there aren't, there are that many, that many people registered. It's more like 65 or 70% at the, in a good county. But anyway, that's because they're inflating the database. That's a warning signal. In fact, I'm not the first one to figure that out. Uh, Judicial Watch pointed out in 2020, in October, hey, 353 of our counties have more people registered than they have people. Oops. Yes. And this was really fun at the cyber symposium. This guy, Kurt Hyde, came running up to me. Dr. Frank, Dr. Frank, in 2010, I wrote this article. Will the 2010 US Census be used to fraudulently register voters? So 10 years before I discovered it, he predicted it. And it was so cool. We went on a TV program together, and we geeked out together. It was a lot of fun. All right. This has been going on a long time. I won't get into that. But it's been going on a lot since 2000. 2000. Okay, here's Hamilton County again. The blue curve is the population. The black curve is who's registered. The red curve is who voted in Hamilton County. And you notice these two curves look an awful lot alike. That's because they are related by a, by a polynomial. And if you notice if I just multiply it by one number, 86%, you already get a really good fit over here, like I do in a lot of, a lot of counties in, around the country. But I don't have to have just 1%. I can have 83 numbers. That's why I told you 83, a different percentage for every age. And the cool thing about it is when you do that, you can predict all the other counties in the state. Now, here's Hamilton County. What I did is I used Franklin County, the capital of Ohio, and I used that to predict this black curve. And you notice that that fits the red curve from 30 years and up. And that's exactly, in the lower ages, doesn't do so well. I don't think they're regulated there. I think they only regulate at 30 and up. But anyway, I could predict every county like that. It's ridiculous. And this is what that key looks like. The relationship between, if you know, breaking the code between who's registered and who voted. And so as a physicist, I leap out of my seat when I see that. Because that's not a random function. That's a smooth function. It's a sixth order polynomial. By the way, since this is a women's conference, when I was, uh, when I was in, uh, uh, 10 years ago, this homeschool mom came to me. She said, Dr. Frank, you're a really good math teacher. I have seven girls that all think they're bad at math. Would you teach them math? So for a year, I taught these homeschool girls math. And for the first two weeks, I only did one thing. I taught them sixth order polynomials. And I said, this is how to pick a husband. We derived an equation that allowed them to calculate which was the best husband. And I had them for the rest of the year. They were awesome. But we routinely used six-order polynomials. But the thing I want to point out, because I know I'm short on time, and I want to show you your Texas data, is that if you're ever in Excel and you say you want to add a trend line to something, it'll ask, what kind of trend line would you like to add? And polynomial is one of those options. And over on the side, it'll say, which order polynomial do you want? Starts at two, and you go click, 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 and it stops at six. And I've been able to predict every county in the United States 
with the sixth order polynomial, which is the limit of Excel. So probably America was stolen by an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, it's Microsoft. So here's Texas. This is your registration key. Remember I said it's a different set of 83 numbers for every state? This is your set of 83 numbers. There's a different number for every age. And if I use that, now I'm going to back up. This is Travis County. The top curve is the population of Travis County. This is from the 2019 census. This is the current shape. Black is who's supposedly registered. Red is who's supposedly voted. But I don't, do you notice something? Do you notice that the black and the curve, red curve look awful lot alike? Yeah, they do, don't they? Here's Williamson County. Blue curve's the population. Black curve is who's registered. And the red curve is supposedly who voted. And you notice that there's like really good turnout from about 50 years older. It's just like stupid good. It shouldn't be that good. All right, so what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna show you all five of the counties I have. I only have five counties worth of data because your state Secretary of State is not cooperating yet. So, well, I guess what we're gonna have to do is we're just gonna have to start showing the passwords to him. And then maybe he'll uh, come around. But uh, state by state, the dominoes are falling. So if you wanna put pressure on your Secretary of State, say, hey, you need to get this Dr. Frank and Mike Lindell in your office. Okay, but anyway, here's Colin, Texas. And, and the top curve, once again, is the, is the census, 2019. The black curve is who's registered. The red, the, the, the light blue curve, is that like the emergency broadcasting system or there's something? The, the, blue, the blue curve is, is my prediction of what the red curve would look like based upon my sixth order polynomial. And then over here is my R factor. Okay, it's essentially perfect. Yes, yes, it's essentially perfect. And I'm not doing anything except just using one county and predicting all the others. That was, so here's Colin, and I'm gonna show you all six. And then there's Dallas, you notice, 0.999. And Tarrant, 0.999. Travis, 0.997. Oh, that's really bad. I'm being facetious, okay. And then Williamson, 0.999. So here are the five counties I have. Do you think that's, you think that's a coincidence? No. That ain't natural, buddy. I want to walk. These these ladies, they came to my uh, a, a, a podcast I was doing. It was on a, my birthday, and I was in this bar doing a podcast. And they came, you know, dressed in those shirts. They're, they're, they're super moms from Ohio, and I asked them, "Are those natural?" And they said, "Yeah." Okay. So, okay. It's fun, all right. So the answer is to go primitive. The answer is to go primitive. I'm gonna run out of time. I don't wanna take time for my, my excellent cohorts. The answer is vote Amish. That's what we need to do. And so, so people always say, well, gee, Dr. Frank, how's it going across the country? You know, where, are, 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 is the movement growing? And I gotta tell you, it really is. It's growing geometrically. Um, there, every day I'm getting calls. I'm in over 30 states working with teams of super moms, and I have a super mom in your state. Lori Gallagher is her name. And also, David Clements is here, and he's got um, a great new channel on Telegram. It's the Texas Audit. Um, it's not the first audit. It's, it, he'll tell you about it later. But you wanna, you wanna, if you want to get involved and help, that's two ways. Lori Gallagher, 
or the, uh, Professor Clements. But anyway, what's going on in the country? So I'm a physicist. So this is just a piece of aluminum I got at Home Depot. Nothing special about it. And I've just put a little bit of rosin on it to help me play it like a violin string. So this is America. This is America. And this is the truth. He's a former army captain uh, and a really bright guy, just kind of naturally as statistics. Uh, he served in, mil in military intelligence as an analyst of open source data. He has applied uh, his training in the study of elections. He also did baseball statistics in college. But anyway, especially the elections of 2016 and 2020. Um, and he is going to show you stuff about elections. Now that you've seen that first demonstration, show you some information about elections. I actually, do I have a clip? Yeah, I do have a clip. A quick clip of Seth Keschel, if you could please. 16, I think it is. So if the numbers come out from Arizona and Georgia or Pennsylvania, you're going to go from 51% of the country who has issues with this election or outright believes it was rigged to two thirds of the country. Right. I mean, a super majority of this country. And you cannot have a republic that will stand or last long term with people who don't trust the system of addressing your issues with the government. Because that's how we have lasted for so long is because we've believed in our system of self-governance. And if that is taken away from you, then you no longer have America. Seth Keschel. All right, well, good afternoon, everybody. How are we doing? Yeah. I'm going to use the handheld mic for a couple reasons. Number one, I'm ADHD and I have to walk around. Number two, we're going to interview some of you. So if you're tired, I recommend maybe 20 push-ups, a cup of coffee, walk around the building. So this is going to be something that I'm going to engage you with. Most of the brainiacs around the election fraud conversation tend to come back to the same center, which is the election was highly troubled, highly fraudulent. So first off, if you're skeptical about claims of election fraud, I welcome you here. I'm glad that you're here. And I invite you to open your mind and open your eyes and participate, even raise your hand for an interview. I'll be glad to have you up here. Who believes the national election was rigged? Okay, I'm looking around for people I need to question your sanity they're, on. They're, they're in the hall. No. Okay. Number two. Who believes the election in Texas was rigged? That's something that a lot of people aren't talking about. So David Clements and I were in North Carolina yesterday. This is a state that Donald Trump carried, barely, despite some trends which I'm going to show you. And a lot of times, people are not asking questions. So in Miss Ward's state, Joe Biden supposedly won Arizona for the third time since World War II. And when these camp, did anyone see the Maricopa canvas results that we released last week on War Room? When those came out, the very first question out of everybody's mouth should have been, how much did Biden win Arizona by? 10,457 votes. So oftentimes I find us not quantifying our issues, not talking about how much. 
Dr. Frank has his method, Bobby Python has his method, a lot of the brainiacs have methods. My method is generally designed to get you engaged and show you where you're going to have the most success, and this involves political issues, because it takes political capital, right, Kelly, to push for audits, to push for a resolution of these issues. So my desire is to have you focused, and this is not really a Texas-focused thing, this is a national thing, and Debbie asked me to put out, this is the very first reveal of this, this is my full methodology, and I'm gonna discuss with you the six different county types in the United States and the way they trend. I measure trends, rate of change. And we all know why polling has issues. I think I remember Biden plus six in Arizona before the election. Polling has issues because the people who make polls are not honest. Yep. They are trying to lead you to a final outcome to justify what they're gonna show you, just like Dr. Frank just put out. 5347, well, that means Biden plus six. And then you have the narratives like, well, Texas is turning blue. So now as Texas gradually does turn purple and blue, people are going to be fed that for 15 or 20 years until it turns into Georgia, which has supposedly flipped for the first time in 30 years. Polling also has issues with something called social desirability bias. Are there any suburban women in the house? Because you guys really hate conservative populism. You hate the closure of borders. You hate the end of human and drug trafficking. You hate security. You hate the economy working for Americans. That's what we're told by the media. Well, sometimes people tell the media what they want to hear because they don't even think a stranger should be told their true views. So that's how you wind up with a 43 to 39 poll, 18% undecided, but that is, means somebody is leading by four. That's how polling works. What I'm going to show you is something that is known to all campaigns since the beginning of political campaigns. And it's really the numerical, of ex the numerical uh, expression of where the heck are all the Biden boat parades at? So I am former Captain Seth Keschel, and I am a salesman from Texas. <laughs> and Dr. Frank tells his story about how he came up on the radar in December. I was mostly working under the radar, too, until the end of December, and I went up to Ohio, and I filmed a 20-minute interview with a man named Doug Wade. And Doug Wade is a patriot, and he's very skilled at what he does. And this was aimed at the 20% sliver of the population, your tax cut Republican, who may have voted for Donald Trump. I don't like his tweets. He's kind of mean. You know, he says things that you shouldn't say. All of you, it seems like you have issues with the election. And I would encourage you to look around at enemy research sometimes, to look at what intelligence they're going to give you. And I was, I caught a whiff of a CNN article the other day. I'll put it that way. Is the sound, is the sound still good when I walk over this way? Yes. Okay, good. CNN put out an article that said the big lie is winning. Now, two people have something called a big lie. When Donald Trump says the big lie, he's talking about what the media presents to you as the election being legitimate. When the media says the big lie, they're criticizing Donald Trump for saying the election was rigged. So it's a, it's a circular firing squad. But CNN said 52% of Americans no longer have trust in their system of elections. So let me, let me think about that. Or do you think they're talking about the 2014 midterms? Are they talking about 2018? No, they're talking about 2020. So if a CNN-sponsored poll reveals that 52% of Americans don't trust the elections, I would be willing to bet you that's in the high 50s or 60%. And the worse this administration performs, the worse it gets for them. And as we keep the pressure on, you are going to see something break. And I'm telling you, these Arizona Canvas results, 
they are definitely able to be verified. I doubt many people are going to go after this. Okay, these are estimates on the low end, and that is how I estimate my numbers. Now, one thing that I'm going to tell you about myself, after I get done telling you about that Doug Wade interview, which I, uh, several nights of three hours of sleep have kind of made me wander off of that story, but Doug Wade produced a 20-minute interview about election fraud with me, aimed at the 20% that need to believe. And I sent it over to my friend, General Flynn. And General Flynn took a look at it. And this was before he was banned from Twitter with his 1.2 million followers. And he says, hey, this is great. We need to get this out. Send me Doug Wade's Twitter handle and send me yours. And I was like, what Twitter handle? <laughs> and he goes, how the hell do you expect me to tweet out this interview if you don't have a Twitter handle? So, well, when, when Lieutenant General Flynn tells Captain K to make a Twitter <laughs> handle. Yes, sir. At S. Keschel was born on January the 2nd. <laughs> and he threw the interview out. He threw the interview out there. And then Sidney Powell threw it out there. And then Lynn Wood threw it out there, too. And in 36 hours, I had 60,000 followers. <laughs> and, and, I, and I followed about 18 people. And I had people in the comments, I've been trying to build my following for 12 years. And who are you? And, <laughs> so that, that was kind of funny. And about a week later, General Flynn was thrown off of Twitter. And I texted him. I said, hey, sir, I never thought of, after a week I'd have more followers than you. <laughs> <laughs> Now, before, before I get rolling, I want to thank Debbie for throwing this event together. Now, it's not thrown together. It's very well organized. And I made the mistake on my Telegram channel. Does anybody follow my Telegram? I made the mistake of planning an event in North Carolina and accidentally listing the date as 9-18. And within about three minutes, like an eagle swooping down out of the sky, Debbie sent me a text message as tall as me saying, uh, Seth, you know, you do know that you were booked to speak at America. Can we talk? And, and I was like, well, let me fix that. So, so Debbie has absolutely been on this event and it shows because this is a, a lively engagement and I want all of you to take this information in, but don't walk away from it. Just full of knowledge. Okay. Walk away from it and be plugged in and involved. Now I, I like to tell some stories about my old man. Anybody like my dad's stories? That is the original Captain K, and he is in his Captain Bars, and this is 1972 in Vietnam. He was transitioning into a staff position shortly to be promoted to major, and that is me in 2012. Now, we have a Space Force colonel over here, Mr. Lohmeyer, who answers that question I always ask, if not you, who? Hey, putting his money where his mouth is and where his heart belongs, where his beliefs are. And he's into special things, right? So give him a hand. Okay. And the Space Force is a special thing. Like everybody, it's new and it's, it's something that fre that's fresh. Now, you may not have known this about me, but I was in a very special division of Rangers in the Army, the PowerPoint Rangers. So, <laughs> now, I, am, I am absolutely able to deal some PowerPoint slides, but I've condensed this down to actionable intelligence for you. And, and the last acknowledgement I would like to make is there is another social media star here who's not booked to speak. And this is the great Publius. Will you please stand up? And that would be my wife, Carissa, with our children. And she handles the social media and a lot of the outward engagement for defending the Republic.
My dad always told me your attitude determines your altitude. You need to leave here with a spirit of optimism. Okay, not as a sunshine pumper, but somebody who needs to understand that you were born to live through these times and to impact these times. We are going to overcome this as a people one way or another. Anybody seen my map, my heat map? I ran out of space at the top, otherwise I would have labeled this presidentially endorsed heat map. Now, when Donald J. Trump in announces anyone's name, he is honoring all of you who are involved in this. I'm the one who's fortunate to have very well-known friends, but all of your work is noticed. Okay? That is something that belongs to everyone that is involved in the fight to prove up our election integrity or to prove it for what it actually is, which is seriously fraudulent. These red counties, of course, are the counties I've highlighted for the most obvious fraud based on trends, based on voter registration data. Dr. Frank touched on this, fraudulent voter rolls. There was a Canvas result released from Florida recently. I put that out on my Telegram. 10 to 14% of registrations appear to be ghost registrations in Florida. Could you imagine that all these years Florida's been Republicans plus 10, possibly? But you've been led to believe that it is a nail-biter of a state every single election. Texas, five and a half points to Donald Trump. It's trending blue, correct? Well, the strength of the Texas Republican Party are the urban and suburban strongholds. All of you know that. You know the, the Rio Grande Valley is what's always been blue, and I mean, you got Austin in there, but Fort Worth's good. Well, until it's not, like the last election. And Donald Trump's biggest improvements, Mr. Avila, are you still in here? Right, Hispanic working class? Right, big time, hundreds of thousands of people that voted for Obama and Clinton voted for Donald Trump. So the only way a five and a half point result is valid in Texas is if you really did get your lunch eaten in the suburbs and you lost that tax cut Republican and you lost the suburban women. Here is votes gained from previous election in Texas for the, the first three lines are McCain 08, Romney 12, and then Trump 1.0 in 2016. You can see that in, let's, let's use Collin County because that was one of Dr. Frank's examples. McCain was up 6% from Bush. This is population growth. Romney's up 6% from McCain. Trump is only up 2%. So there's your Ted Cruz grudge. There's your tax cut Republicans dropping off of Trump in 2016. But now Trump gained 25% in Collin County to win it by four points. A 15 to 20 point Republican stronghold. How do you think that's happening? Because people are rigging the voter registration rolls, committing fraud in the mail and committing fraud by other means. So now, Donald Trump wins Texas by five and a half points. They just celebrated Beto O'Rourke hitting four million votes in 2018 for the first time ever for the Democrats. And just last November, Biden had 5.3 million votes in Texas. Which is why my estimate for Texas is Biden is sitting on top of 675,000 fraudulent votes at minimum, putting Texas back into 12 to 13% range for Trump. Does that sound about right, Dr. Frank? Now, I, I like to talk about a few things. So voter registration is one, not all states. Now, first off, who's a registered Republican here in Texas? You're all lying. There's no such thing as a registered Republican in Texas. There's, there's, there's registered Republicans in Arizona, but we don't register by party here. So for states that don't, I got all of you. So for states that don't register their voters by party, I have different modeling. So Michigan's an example. They don't register by party, but Pennsylvania does. Did you know in Pennsylvania, the Republicans outregistered the Democrats at a ratio of 21 to 1 in net new registrations? That would be 242,000 Republican and 11,000 Democrat. 
And Pennsylvania has had a corresponding shift towards Republicans every time that happens and towards Democrats when it happens in reverse. Pennsylvania and Michigan have trended together perfectly since 1932. So would it be a safe assessment for an analyst to say Pennsylvania is doing this and because of Michigan's behavior in the vote, you can expect a certain result in 2020. So here's what we have. Unfortunately, the laser isn't working, but in 2004, George W. Bush ran pretty good for a Republican in Michigan. He was pretty strong with what they call the white working class. These are your non-college white voters that are in unions. And they're pretty strong for incumbent Republicans, but not really the ones running for the first time. Thanks. So look, what we have is a race of less than 3% for the incumbent Bush. And then we have a national trend, eight-year political pendulum swings. And in the end of the Bush administration, you had two wars that were unwinnable, one of which I served in. You bet. We had a collapsing economy, we had the growth of a surveillance state, and we had the emergence of a charismatic Democrat candidate named Barack Obama, who captured soft Republicans, who had an eight-year political pendulum swing at his back. He got all the unions. He got a record minority turnout with a record share of that vote. And it manifested itself in a result like this, a 17-point victory in Michigan, which came with a massive gain of votes and a massive plunge because of Republicans in a state that is not really growing. So when you have a stagnant pond and you have a big growth for one party, it's coming at the expense of the other. And this is a, a hallmark of what we're gonna see in the Trump years. And now, in his first term, as the Tea Party populist movement came apart or came, in, came into play in 2010, the next election for Obama, he lost 300,000 votes and still won the state, but by only 9%. So the state had begun to trend Republican, just like Pennsylvania. And then in 2016, with a populist working class Republican on the scene, Donald Trump, you have a pickup over Romney's number, but another 300,000 vote drop for Democrats and the state flipped. So your mind may tell you Michigan's supposed to be blue, but it's been trending heavily Republican for several cycles. And if I'm going to see Trump lose Michigan from his winning column, I'm going to expect him to flatline out or drop. Instead, Trump gained 400,000 votes in Michigan. And this 300,000 per year drop was reversed by a half a million gain in Michigan for Biden. Fundamentally, Michigan or Pennsylvania, impossible for Joe Biden to win. Impossible. Here's his actual trend line, even being generous without a loss. So Biden's estimate to me is 527,000 votes high in Michigan, which would give that a seven and a half point Trump win in that state. And finally, before we get into the crowd participation portion of this, which I've pre-selected a few of you, and I might have to volunteer some others. Voter registration by party, North Carolina being an example. Ms. Ward will be presiding over one of these counties. I know she's excited. North Carolina has a Democrat registration advantage. These are white Southern Democrat mostly. It's, it's, there's been a bit of a coalition shift, but West Virginia, Kentucky, Louisiana match the same profile. You can see in 2004, the Democrats held a 13-point registration advantage, meaning there were 13% more Democrats than Republicans in the rolls, and President Bush, the incumbent, won the state by 12.5 points. Then, the same trend happened nationwide in North Carolina. One point move, just one point towards Democrats in registration, was a predictor that the state would be less Republican, more Democrat, and Obama actually flipped the state. So now, here's your trend back towards Republicans in that first term. It's two points. This is a Democrat 
hemorrhage, loss of voters, not a Republican gain. And it was enough to show the state was moving back right, so Romney won it. Now a four-point move towards Republicans in 2016, and this was Republicans gaining now and Democrats losing. Trump doubles the margin of victory. So if I'm going to see Trump slip in North Carolina and come in danger of losing the state, what do you think I'll see? We should see a taller pile of Democrat registration over here, a trend back to the left. Instead, it's another four points. This is over 100,000 new Republicans and 100,000 minus for Democrats. Instead of a five to eight point win, as I've projected in North Carolina, we have him barely holding on. The, the truth is they let him carry North Carolina because they had a better propaganda machine to hold Georgia. Right, Dr. Frank? So here are my six county types. This is the first time I've revealed this. Well, where's his methodology? He never shows his methodology. Okay, well, I don't show my, my, uh, I don't show my poker hand either when people fold. The six county types, a Crimson County. A Crimson County is a county that Mitt Romney won and Donald Trump won it bigger. So this is a county that did not show a massive third party drop off the Mojave County, Arizona in your state. My, my county. But they're all over the Rust Belt. So counties that Romney won and Trump piled them up bigger because he took old school economic Democrats and stuck them on his poker stack, leaving fewer Democrats to vote Democrat. Now, a Republican county, there's plenty of these in Texas. I would actually classify Tarrant County as a Republican county. Trump won it in 2016, but by a smaller margin than Romney did. So these are your mostly suburban type counties, but some suburban counties call in what I call, fall into a different category called the horse race. Working class flip. These are counties that Trump flipped from Obama in 2012 or almost flipped, trended them. So counties that Obama won, Trump flipped or almost flipped. And all of those in the registrations in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Florida are still trending Republican in registration. So whichever party makes gains in registration, it's nearly bulletproof, will make gains in the vote. The horse race counties, look at Florida, Georgia, Texas. We're talking about Denton County, Collin County, where the analysts should expect both parties to gain votes. So my, my assessment starts with I'll look for a Biden vote gain regardless of how poor of a candidate he is. Competitive counties. Most of these are not significant in size. I'll show you an example from Minnesota. The margins barely move year to year, and they're pretty much at a standstill. And then you have your Democrat machine. There's four of them here in Texas. Do you know what they are? Dallas, Travis, Bear, and Harris. So where they put up piles and piles of votes, and the Republican strategy is to not get killed. Okay, Crimson County. This is your county that Romney won and Trump won it bigger. And I believe Vincat is going to lead the exercise on this. So don't have to come up here yet, but we're gonna progress through the numbers on York County. This is in Southeastern Pennsylvania. It has long been a Republican county. And here is your vote totals for 2004. This is a county that George W. Bush won by almost 51,000 votes in 2004. And then the national trend is what? Is Democrats are on the rise because of Barack Obama and his coattails. And you'll see here in 2008, with a county with limited population growth of just a few percent, the Republican number is down, the Democrat number is up, and that is a gain of 19,000 votes. So remember for York County, 19,000 votes. This number on the left, this is your 
Republican registration advantage in 2008. So there were 10.5% more Republicans than Democrat. And now you're going to see a progression because Obama's first term was a disaster. One of the weakest incumbents in the history of the United States who lost almost 4 million votes and was still reelected. Well, because Mitt, Mitt Romney was a squish who had no appeal, is a squish, who had no appeal to the working class. So he could not pick up Obama's losses. But here you see in 2012, the first thing I see as an analyst is a move towards Republicans in registration. Now it's a 12% Republican registration county. So you can expect the Republicans to win it bigger, even though there was a vote roll purge in 2012. So this is still valid. And what you have is a slight gain for Romney, but a plunge for Democrats. The white working class has stopped voting loyally to Democrats in the first Obama term. Now is where the big diagnosis is. Is this going to be bigger for Trump or is it going to be just a regular Republican county? So now you see a record Republican vote gain in York County. That's a gain of 15,000 votes for Trump. This is a county that's not growing substantially, so a gain that large is likely going to cost the other side votes in a coalition shift. The same thing could happen in Texas if you legitimately had suburban Republicans turn into Democrats. You would see the Republican number go down, even with population growth. It's a 15% Republican county now, and you can see now the Republicans are piling on registrations for 11,000 plus new Republicans, and the Democrats are pretty much getting slaughtered. And this is a bigger gap in percentage and in number of votes. So now it is a 60,000 vote Republican county. This is how a state like Pennsylvania goes from a 10-point Obama state to a flip. And this year, my estimate was a 6 to 8-point Trump state. This year, here's half the answer to your quiz. I'm going to show you half the answer on all the counties. So this is a Trump gain of 18,000 votes, which is a new record. So the last new record we had, the last two elections have come with a loss of 9,000 votes and then a loss of almost 5,000 votes as the Republicans pile on votes. Now it's a 19% Republican county. Like I said, Pennsylvania was a huge Republican gashing. And 12,000 new Republicans, now a loss of Democrats in a county that's a pretty good-sized county. So Vincat, this is your mission. And we have to move a little bit quick, so why don't you, on your way up to the stage, ask around and figure out where we think this number for Biden is going to be knowing a record Trump vote gain and knowing the registration data. So you guys kind of get a number in your head. And if you know the certified total, do not yell it out. Come on up. If I hear any yelling, it's going to be a push-up contest. So we're, this is the interview portion. This is for your engagement. So I want you to follow along in the trends. Trends is what matters. So what we see here, what, what is your, tell the crowd your name. My name is Ben Cadborad. I live in Austin, Texas. So he's a friend of mine. He's a mentor of mine. And we've talked about this stuff extensively since November, right? Yes, sir. So what we see here is a county that's been Republican even when it trended Democrat in 2008. And since 2008, it's just been a bloodletting for the Democrats. They've been getting pummeled in the registrations in every election they lose votes. And what's really bad for them now is Trump just gained a record of 18,000 votes. Yes. So I really have a hard time seeing them doing well here. How many votes do you think Biden should have in that column if you're making an accurate forecast? Well, my Indian math says uh, it would be a miracle for him to get 68 again. 
just because of what's happening there and the state is not growing in population. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm thinking you're going to be lucky to be out at the low to mid 60s. And that is give, and I'm always trying to opt, uh, to be optimistic for him to be a fair analyst. All right. Drum roll, please. All right. So, so there's 88,000. So my estimate on York County is 25,000 votes high. Now there's 67 counties in Pennsylvania. So imagine how much fraud is in Pennsylvania. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so that is a that is a mega Trump county, a Trump trend county. So imagine the strategy is to use your Democrat strongholds to pile up paper fraud. Bam, 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 bam. And then over the rest of the counties, you have to dent these margins. Those numbers you saw in PA and Michigan on election night were the real deal. Okay, that's why it took so many so long to count. Okay, now into the Republican counties. There's plenty of these in Texas. I would call Tarrant County a Republican county, definition being a county that was won by Romney and then won again by Donald Trump in 2016, but by an equal or lesser amount in percentage. That's a real dynamic. You can have people coalition shift the other way too. It's common in Northern Virginia where Fairfax County, George W. Bush had more votes in 04 than Donald Trump did in 2020. We're gonna have another volunteer. I think Mr. Jones volunteered in the back. Nope, not your Johnson County. Johnson County, Kansas is going to be our county. So what's interesting about Johnson County, Kansas is it flipped for the first time since 1916. Was anybody alive in 1916? <laughs> some of y'all, some of y'all might have neighbors in your attic registered in your house that voted that were born in 1916. But look, here's what we had in 04. This is at the height of your suburban tax cut Republicans voting for George W. Bush. The last gasp for this brand of Republican, of course, it died out under McCain. What state was McCain from? We don't, we don't claim uh, McCain. I don't, at least. I don't. But, yeah. So we have 60, a 60,000 vote Republican county in Johnson County, Kansas. This is suburban Kansas City. And, of course, my clicker's on the podium. All right. So we have this county. This is a 60,000 vote Bush County. And we have the shift that happened nationally. It occurred in Johnson County, Kansas. The Republicans lose votes, and Obama has a strong gain of 29,000 votes. In that year, Republicans held a 23.6% registration advantage. So now watch this trend. The same trend is present in 2012 here as in Pennsylvania. The whole nation moved away from Democrats. And you can see the county. It's, it's equal in registration, but Romney goes back to that normal Republican number. And Obama drops almost 17,000 votes. This is common across the whole nation. If you lose 4 million votes nationwide, of course you're going to see it in the county level data. Now this county, you're going to see it in 2016. It's going to show the characteristics of a Republican county, not a Trump trend county. And you can see Trump loses a lot of votes. These are your tax cut Republicans throwing away their votes and some of them shifting coalitions to the other side. I am very fair. You have to give me that. I'm identifying this for you. Because the question is not what, it's how much. You know, is it possible this county flipped in 2020? Maybe, but by how much? So the county shows a trend towards Democrats of 3%. So now it's only 20.8% Republican. You can see over here, the registration data does not look good. The Democrats are two to one in registrations. And you still have Trump holding onto this county. So Trump 1.0, one month after the Billy Bush tape, won this county without any political accomplishments. Which is why, of course, I find the Maricopa results not credible. And we're going to see this. We're going to show you why I believe Dr. Frank is right over the target on registrations. Watch the number on the left. 9% in favor of Democrats in registration in a county of over 600,000 people. And you can see over here, 
35,000 new Democrat registrations and barely any Republican. Trump is here in the 150s. So I don't think this is a Trumpy county, but it appears to me that he has a standard Republican output for Nikki Haley could have had that many votes. But in the Democrat column, we have to look at the trends. So Obama had the big gain of 29,000, then he's down 17, and he's up 19. So we have kind of a leveling out. Now, Mr. Jones, would you please make your way up here? I'd like to interview you on Johnson County. Did you, did you uh, are you backing off at the challenge? All right, all right, I'm gonna take another volunteer. Anybody wanna volunteer for this one? I'm glad you're coming up, come on up. Somebody's got to get me here. All right, I'll do this one myself. We're going to have to talk about that one later. So we have this trend. We have a Republican gain back to the standard number. We have a strong Democrat registration advantage. So I'm actually going to go ahead and just give them all of those Democrat registrations, even though only about two-thirds of new registrants vote. So if we give 35,000 on top of that 129, you're in the mid-160s. Okay, so who's ready to see where the Biden total is for Johnson County? So why is it Johnson County? In a state that Trump won by double digits, why Johnson County? Well, there was a U.S. House race going on in a very contested seat. Same thing in Oklahoma County, Oklahoma, a contested House race. So now you're starting to understand this. So let's move into the, let's move into the next county type. This is also a Trump trend. These are your working class flip counties, and they are all over Pennsylvania, Mis Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Minnesota. The people who elected Donald Trump in 2016 voted for Barack Obama two times. These are your white working class union members that switched coalitions. Fact. Macomb County, Michigan. Rudy Giuliani likes to run around talking about Philly and Detroit, and he's not wrong. These are absolutely election fraud capitals of the world. And the reason I know that is because Hillary Clinton lost Pennsylvania by 44,000 in 2016, Michigan by 10,000, and Wisconsin by 22,000, and there were no calls for audits or canvassing. Why do you think that is? Because you probably would have shown 30 years worth of hundreds of thousands of fraudulent votes in these states. So Macomb County is the county I would actually backdoor. Am I doing all right on time? Okay, I'll go quick. So Macomb County, we're going to progress through. No more interviews. I'm going to progress them for you. So you're all off the hook. You have a Bush County narrowly. This, this is the home of the Reagan Democrat, Bush by 6,000 votes. And then you see the trend. Michigan does not register by party, so this will go a bit quicker. And you can see that Obama did his thing. So he pulled in the unions, pulled in the minority vote, and because this county is not growing, 4% growth of 800,000 people. You can see that the Republicans are down, Obama's up, and that's a record of 27,000 votes for Democrats. And now you see the white working class moving away from from Obama, only 6,800 net new registered, and the Republicans are only up slightly. Romney couldn't work with the working classes. Then Trump, look at that. That's your working class Republican, so that's your gain of 33,000. And would you look at that? 32,000 came off of the Democrat column. It's almost like the county's done growing and people changed sides. Yep. So now I'm gonna show you half the answer to the quiz. Trump, 39,000 up. That is a record Republican gain in a county that is not growing substantially. But now look how many new registered voters are on the rolls in Michigan. Yep. Sound like they're registering phantoms to you? Yep. Okay, so look at that. Look at the Democrat trend. I see 224, 208, 176. So the last time Trump went up 33, the Democrats dropped 32. 
Trump's going up 39 this year with a county with little legitimate population growth, which correlates to registration growth. I would have to, I would be hard pressed to find that Democrat number over 150, over 150,000. Y'all ready for this? You're going to be sick. So that is, that is uh, about half of the margin between Trump and Biden in the entire state. Uh, it's hard to tell. So a horse race county, Denton County, Texas. Anybody from Denton County? How was it a bunch of Biden support up there this year? All right, so this is your Republican stronghold, 2004. Of course, this is going to be a little bit artificial because Bush ran from Texas, of course. But this is an 81,000-vote Republican county. And then you can see because of population growth alone, McCain is up 9,000, but Obama is up 32. So that's a really strong performance. That's your benchmark. So remember 32,000. And here's your typical tax cut Republican Romney come along. Not a very big gain, 8,000. Obama's down, despite the population growth. Denton County grew 250,000 people in the last 10 years. So that did not help Obama gain votes in Denton County. Now we'll see how Trump does. So there's your, a little bit better than Romney did, but it's a pretty standard Republican gain. So this is a county that didn't go bonkers over him. That's your soft Republican, your moderate Republican. And you can see Clinton's up 30,000. So you have two gains of about 30,000 in this current cycle of politics. A horse race county is one that I would expect both parties to gain in. So I'm probably going to look at that number 30,000 for Biden. There's Trump this year. So Trump goes up. Trump went up 52,000 votes when the Republicans have been going up about 10,000 a year. So is he really unpopular in the suburbs? Now, let's look. Let's go ahead and give Biden 30,000 votes based on the, the two times they've grown 30,000. You can expect a total around 140, especially given the fact that Trump just blew it out. You probably expect less than 140. All right, we ready for Denton County? All right, so there's 50,000 votes I've estimated to be over in Denton County. All right, I've got two more. Competitive County, Olmstead County, Minnesota. Anybody been there? This is Rochester. Hey, Rochester's kind of a, this is a Trumpy type town. So, so conservative populism, they actually do better in the urban course because it appeals to minority working class and people that are voting for anti-crime. Okay, it loosens up a little bit in the suburbs and it blows out the rural areas and your Wichita Falls is at the world, okay? Olmstead County, very little population growth. This is a Bush County, last time Republicans won it, 2004, by 4,000 votes. And then you can see Obama flips it. Not a whole lot of play here, about 5,000 up for the Democrats, and the Republicans are down. Then Romney goes up and Obama goes up. They go up almost the same number of votes. So this is a county that has not been decided by more than 2,500 votes since Obama came around. And then Trump. So Trump's down a little bit. Clinton is down a little bit. So it's been, it's been a neck-and-neck neck county, slightly in favor of the Democrats. So there's not much moving here. And now we're going to see Trump. It's a, it's a 4,000 vote gain. So that's the most votes the Republicans have gained in, in this county since this current cycle began, the high turnout era. So we're going to look at this. I think we have a pretty solid trend that Democrats are likely to be in the high 30s, would you say? All right, so this is, becoming, this is becoming a pandemic. And now the last one, the Democrat machine, Charlotte, Mecklenburg County. This, this is a two-point Democrat county in 2004. It, Bush had won it in 2000. It began to drift. And you can see here, massive vote gain for Obama. So this is 87,000 plus with a year he flipped North Carolina. Then it tightens in margin in favor of Republicans. Now, they're still losing it pretty big, but Romney had a decent gain of 18,000. 
and now your city thing did its thing for Trump. So it's becoming more Democrat now, and you can see that oh, the Democrats now have grown 19,000 and 22,000. So they once Obama peaked, they, they're getting about 20,000 a year. So Trump does pretty well. Trump has probably what I would call a standard Republican output in the county. And I think that it's pretty fair to say that you can maybe take the Democrat vote of 20,000 and double it just for a most dangerous course of action. I think you said 340, right? 340, yeah. Now, that's it. So, Debbie, um, we have one issue, and that is election integrity. All right, if your Republicans and conservatives don't care about that issue, they should not be representing you. That's right. right? That is the only thing that we have. Because if we don't have that, we're toast. And it is time to stop focusing on Democrats. Okay, the biggest enemy is the enemy inside our wire, and that is the Rhino Republican Party. America, can we talk truth about America?